Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to It Is What It Is, powered by the Riot Report. We are excited to have you guys. Uh, my name is Josh Klein. I'm the managing editor of the Riot Report. That is Zach Luttrell. I am begging him not to breathe in this direction. Yeah, I'm going to talk as little as possible because I'm not feeling awesome today, but I'm the, here. The, the, I'm active. The listener, Yeah, you are a limited participant in practice today. <laughs> Add me to the list. Exactly. You are questionable, and if there was a probable designation, you would not be there. I'd probably still be questionable. Yeah, no, well, I mean, that has nothing to do with your health or anything else. Uh, welcome to It Is What It Is. We are excited to have you. We try to take this podcast as a opportunity to take a step back from the emotional hot takes that you may have uh, developed when you watch the Carolina Panthers, and you know you get very excited. I do the same thing. Zach does the same thing. What we try to do is we try to kind of break it down and pull back a little bit, take a little bit of the emotion out of it, and just talk about well, it is what it is, you know, because. Sometimes it was what it was, and it's not what it's not. Week That's, five, we still don't have We're going to get right. there. It's going to be like week 16, maybe like <laughs> sometime in uh, in like March, you're going to download an off-season podcast that's going to be maybe 15 seconds long of being like, it is what it is, but it's not what it's not. That's what it was supposed to be the whole time. Boom. And that's going to be it. It's going to be awesome. Uh Anyway, uh, if you really enjoyed these opening two minutes, which I can't imagine that you did, uh, I encourage you to go onto iTunes, subscribe on iTunes, rate and review us on iTunes. Give us five stars. If you hate it uh, and you want to give us one star, we are officially the uh, Pardon My Take podcast. They can afford the one the one star. <laughs> but we're new. We can't afford one star. We need all fives, baby. Uh, anyway, that was a terrific intro and i'm really proud of myself <laughs> stick on later on after you hear me and zach talk for about 30 minutes worth of fantastic panther talk we have an exclusive interview with uh desmond southward coming up new safety on the roster and uh he had some really interesting stuff to say about the eagles and also how he tries not to get posterized uh when he's playing defense <laughs> all right so uh zach tell us a little bit about why you're sick well, uh, just yesterday, we returned from the Motor City Takeover, and that's two weeks in a row of away game trips. Luckily, we have this huge break before the next one, right? No, we don't. For us. We have a home tailgate in two days, so I'm uh, trying, to, trying to flip and recover as much as possible. But this trip uh, was the first time we've ever visited a city and stayed at the casino. This could possibly be the last trip that we ever do that at too it was almost the last trip of your whole life yeah I'm, I'm just happy to be here really at this point but <laughs> no the uh the trip was awesome uh going in a day early to play some cards maybe i'll rethink that next time uh you know being real but no it was it was a great time um detroit gets a pretty bad rap i mean in the outskirts some of the areas uh that we did not visit probably rightfully so but uh, the the part of the town that we were in where uh, Ford Field is, Greek Town, uh, right outside of Greek Town. I don't know the name of the area, but there are a bunch of cool uh, up and coming bars. But certainly downtown Detroit is is on the rise, and to, um, you know over by Comerica where we tailgated, everything was great. The march to the stadium was great. The Lions fans actually were were great, really? which uh, seems like you would expect that. You know they they've had. Or should I say they haven't had a whole lot of success, or you know certainly uh, consistent success. 
So uh, rumors were that they were really blue collar and just angry all the time. But no, the Lions fans were great. Um, but the most exciting part really for me was just how loud we were in that game. Um, you know, I don't know if you could hear it from the press box. Oh, we uh, could. Jesse on the field was texting me telling me it was loud and clear. But even more important than that, uh, you know, to have Cam Newton come over and, and point to us after a touchdown. And then after, I don't know if you saw this, after he took the first knee in victory formation, he just stood up and pointed to us again. So we didn't tell him where we were going to be. Um, for them to, to hear us and to noticeably hear us, um, also to have Coach Rivera tweet out after the game that, that thanking us and that he heard us as well. That's what it's all about, man. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to beat this drum until I don't have a voice, which could be today, actually. Yep, in about 18 minutes. <laughs> yeah, so is when we stick together, it doesn't matter where the seats are, whether they're upstairs, downstairs, doesn't matter. When we stick together and we cheer on our team when the rest of that stadium is quiet because their team's on offense, they can hear us. It makes a difference, and that's what we do, man. That's what we're all about. So. Woo! Makes me want to run through a brick wall right now. <laughs> Let's get out there on the field, baby. Yeah. I am ready for Thursday night. So, yeah, great trip. Happy to be home. Short rest here because, uh, you know, Thursday night game, and then two more trips. So if we're still doing this podcast in November, that means I will have survived and uh, all good stuff. Do you think there's a chance that you're going to die on the next two weeks? Is that what you're saying? Is that, kind of, that, that is kind of what it makes I'm going to say like. after the last two weeks, the probability is much higher than I thought at the beginning oh, of the season. That so is fair. if I was a betting man and you saw me this weekend, I am a betting man. Yeah, I would, that is I would, true. I would put some chips on it. We were in Greektown, and there were so many gyros to be eaten and so many. Oh, man, it was fantastic. I loved it. Beautiful downtown Detroit. I uh, went for a run along the river. I saw Kid Rock and Eminem. And the fine also, run, by the way. Uh, it's a slow, it's a fast walk, slow jog. <laughs> uh, they Many people would not qualify it as a run, but uh, I was not walking, and I did sweat a lot. So that is all that counts. Pretty exciting game. I mean, if you enjoy three-point victories where that literally come down <laughs> to the last two minutes, I would say it was exciting. Uh, uh, Some great plays, though, man. So a lot of plays to be excited about there. Well, sure. I mean, anytime that your quarterback's going to throw – uh, for 355 yards, three scores, and 79% completion percentage, you're probably going to win that game. I mean, and the Detroit defense is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, they had performed really well, and uh, I think that the Panthers' offense, they're kind of – that passing game is as – looks like it did a couple of years ago in 2015. Yeah, well, it's great to see Cam have time. I mean, I'm not uh, you know some super analyst by – pointing this out but obviously when the line performs like it did against the 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 Lions pass rush Cam's gonna play better yeah and I know that uh everybody kind of the fun the fun thing to do this season and one of the scapegoats is Matt Khalil if it's not Matt Khalil it's Mike Shula and if it's not Mike Shula it's Colin Jones and if it's not Colin Jones then it's uh the gonna be Joe Worley no uh it could be Marty Herney that's yeah, who it is that's, that's the one. fourth one okay. yeah so if it's not any of those guys fault then uh the Panthers win the Super Bowl but I think that Matt Khalil really he played very well you, you watch the tape and he every time he's matched up with onside that seemed like it was going to be a mismatch and he he really did a nice job uh moved his feet well showed a lot of power and, and it's like you look at pro football focus had us ranked as the number two offensive line in the league, which seems crazy when you think that Ryan Khalil has not played since game one. Right, and but 
Larson is actually being graded really high too in his in his absence. It's true. Uh, Larson has played really well. I feel like, uh, especially as a backup center, that is something that, much like, it's just so hard in the NFL for somebody to come in cold. No, maybe not cold, but come in after not having practiced, and uh, and show up and play to the ability to the level of the guy that was ahead of you, right? So Ed Dixon comes in for Greg Olson. You see there's a big drop-off for a couple games, and then all of a sudden, Ed Dixon, after taking all of the practice reps, he's certainly not going to be Greg Olson, but he can be a worthy comparison. How you know? fun was he on Sunday? Oh, unbelievable. Why was he so open? Um, that poor defense, I think. <laughs> Weirdly Is he enough, just a forgotten man until, obviously not going forward, but at this point, up until that point, was he just the man that they were willing to not focus on? Well, this is what we've been talking about kind of the whole season, right? Is that you put all of this effort into your uh, into your offense, and when you have this many playmakers, when you have Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Stewart out there, and Ed Dixon, how many of those guys can you cover effectively? How many of those guys can you throw a double team at? You want to throw a double team at Kelvin Benjamin, somebody's going to be open. You want to roll the com- you want to roll the coverage towards Devin Funches. Ed Dixon's going to go the other way. It it also seemed not to completely disregard my earlier point, but the Lions seem to have some real trouble covering the tight end. Uh, there were a couple of routes that I saw Manhurts wide open on too. So I I think that they were they clearly had schemed for the running backs and the wide receivers. Right. And, you know, especially when you send McCaffrey out into into the field like they have been doing, out into the flats, out into the center of the field, uh, it draws those linebackers up. It draws those corners up. They're running a zone coverage. There's going to be room behind those guys that come up to uh, account for Christian McCaffrey. Right. Well, it, it was great to see uh, KB catch that touchdown. That was a that was a great pass. It happened right in front of us, so that was super exciting. Nice. Uh, you know, Devin continuing his run. He's been playing great, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the offense as a whole is just they're they're really there's only it's hard to find nits to pick. I'm I'm sure that we will uh, when we when we talk about some of the hot takes. But right. uh, it, when you look at the offense as a whole, you know, they were pretty fantastic. And Funchess, Benjamin, even McCaffrey. You know, McCaffrey, while he doesn't, he didn't show up on the stat sheets with, you know, 200 yards, he still, he got, he made a difference. There were multiple times, especially even on that first Dixon, 64 yards, I think. The reason, one of the reasons Dixon has such a big window is because the linebacker came up for McCaffrey. Right. So that that's the kind of thing that McCaffrey has been doing been doing all day and and or all day all season and it it's just kind of now starting to get noticed and now make make such a such an impact that these guys are so open we'll get into McCaffrey a little bit more here in just a minute CMC. um how about the defense though finally got a takeaway looks like they could have had two actually but uh mm-hmm. what Stafford recovered the fumble or the well, the Lions recovered Stafford's fumble yeah um so that was good to see them do that and you know despite Having so many early penalties, um, you know, they buckled down for for most of the game up until the fourth quarter, which I imagine we're going to get into that take, those takes sure, as well. Sure, yeah, of course. Uh, I think that the thing to – one of the things that I said right after the game was that they they kind of escaped Detroit with a win as opposed to – they didn't they went out there and dominated for three quarters and then they let them back into the game. 
but also the defense you can't you can't have 11 penalties for 100 yards you just can't like that is not an acceptable amount of penalties it's not an acceptable amount of penalty yards and they declined a bunch of them you can't have you can't make those kind of mistakes you can't have those kind of self-inflicted wounds and they say all the time that there's three uh, kind of phases to the game, special teams, offense, defense, and sometimes the offense is on fire and it picks up the defense, and sometimes the defense is on fire and it picks up the offense. And I think that that, for the first couple games, that was the case, right? The defense picked up the offense, and now in this Detroit game, I think a little bit w- of the opposite was true. The offense, I think, picked up the defense. Yeah, no, I agree, and uh, it, it was just unusual seeing that, especially consecutive, so many consecutive penalties on that drive coming from Carolina, who was one of the least, if not the least, penalized team up until going into the Detroit game. They were. I think they had 13 penalties in their first four games, and then they had 11. 11. Yeah, in this one. <laughs> so uh, either they were listening to Tom Brady when he said that they weren't getting <laughs> weren't getting the calls, or uh, or they were just you know they played a little bit more undisciplined. I mean, you saw Luke Keekley out there missing tackles. Yeah, like that that doesn't make any sense to me. That that kind of sentence seems like I'm having a stroke when I say things like Luke Keekley is missing tackles out there. Right. So it's uh I think there's still some work to be done. It's exciting to be four and one and uh and especially but you go into a, just right off the bat, you come from come from a fantastic win over Detroit and then immediately you have to start watching tape on Philly because that's a fantastic team as well. Yep, I agree. So let's get into some of the takes and obviously with a four and one team after two great road wins, there aren't a ton of them. Um, you know, th- but there are some still. I mean, w- one of the things I've been hearing about was uh, having Vernon Butler inactive um, in favor for Cox. Um, you know, there was a lot of concern. What was going on there? Why was that happening? Uh, a lot of concern if uh, there was an injury to to Star KK. Then what was going to happen? And and you know, with Butler inactive and just overall, is Butler a bust at this point? Because they because they had him uh, as a healthy scratch. I think it's I think it's way too early to call somebody a bust after one healthy scratch. I think that what you can Here's here's the way that I look at it, right? Is that they didn't have Vernon Butler active because they wanted to have an extra defensive end active because Julius Peppers has the hurt shoulder and uh right. and also um Charles Johnson is not one hundred percent. Uh, you know, he is still working his way back from that back surgery in the offseason, and I'm not sure that he'll ever be 100%. Uh, well, maybe not ever, but I, I think that he is kind of always one of those threats to take a hit the wrong way or come up sore, and then he just can't go back in for the rest of the game. And they wanted to make sure that they have a guy that they can put in at defensive end versus defensive tackle. So when you think about what if KK gets hurt, what if Star gets hurt, then and what if you know Kyle Love also gets hurt, it's the same thing as what happened in week one against San Francisco, right? So San Francisco, KK and Star were the only defensive tackles, I'm putting quotes around them, that were on that were active on the roster. And they just put in Wes Horton on the inside. You know, these guys these guys can play on the inside. It's a lot harder to get an outs an inside guy to play on the outside than it is to get an outside guy to play on the inside. Does that make did I say it right? Yeah, no, I understand that. And is this so is this something that's going to be ongoing, or was it just a one-time for this game they wanted to see what they had, or what do you I, think the plan is? I don't know. It's it's interesting because I think that there's a there's a part of me that says that they wanted to see how Brian Cox looked in NFL action to see if they feel comfortable with their depth there with their depth if something were to happen to say Charles Johnson. So based on his play, what's that? What's the answer? Uh, I don't know. 
if I'm ready to be uh, ready for the Brian Cox Jr. era to begin, but uh, I think that you can look at the that that's the reason why, right? That for me, that's the reason. I don't I don't know if that worked out that way, but I, I think the bigger question is whether is why they chose Kyle Love over Vernon Butler. That was going to be my next question for you. I think that uh, I don't have a. I'd love to say I have a terrific answer, and I know exactly why they did it. I, if I had to guess, I would say that they feel more comfortable with Love as a space eater, and he can play kind of that KK short where he's you know trying to get past the uh, trying to get past the guard, trying to get past the center and sack somebody or make a hit in the backfield, versus Star, who a lot of times his job is literally just eat up a block, eat up two blocks stay in his gap, stay in his lane. And uh, Kyle Love is is fantastic at, certainly better, not fantastic, maybe not the right word, but he's certainly very good at being that run stuffer and that guy that can uh, that can eat up space. Uh, if you'd like to check out a fantastic article on Kyle Love, I encourage you to go to theriotreport.com. That's theriotreport.com, where there is a uh, terrific breakdown of, of exactly why Kyle Love is on the roster and is good. Did you change the tone in your voice when you did that plug intentionally? Or... What do you mean? <laughs> no, that's just my regular voice. I think that you just went into like a game show host voice. No, I think that when, when you, you're like when you talking, and then when you want to make sure that people can go to theriotreport.com, that's theriotreport.com on your internet. I so I actually read that piece that Vincent wrote earlier on love. Uh, that was before the season got started, actually. Right? And, was that uh, just his dating column on love or on Kyle? <laughs> Uh, oh man, I wish we had a boom. I know. I was looking Get for the sound bite there. Here. If I wasn't Come sick, on. I would have gone for it. But um, so another take I've been hearing about, and this one seems like it's ongoing. And you started to touch on it a little bit, but uh, we're still doing the McCaffrey is a bust take. The whole bust thing is just so I don't know. Like it, it's not even. It's more like. When you look at, is McCaffrey a bust? Is Vernon Butler a bust? Is anybody, when you say, are these guys busts? Like, are they going to be disappointing relative to their draft position, right? That's that's what a bust is. Right. But yeah. also, like, when you look at these guys, when you look at McCaffrey, McCaffrey's on pace for what? Probably 1,100 yards. Receiving. And, yeah. No, just total. 1,100 total gotcha. yards. Okay. 1,100 total yards, and I believe, like, 80 catches. Now, uh, his his pace has gone down a little bit because he did not have a spectacular game uh, on Sunday. Even though he had his first touchdown. He did. He had his first touchdown. He did what kind of the Panthers have been trying to get him to do. You know, he fits into the offense as opposed to them rotating their whole offense around him. And I think that when you look at him as just another cog in the offense, that's then he's he is successful. Though... What his pace was on, and I wish I had done the updated numbers, um, when he was on pace on Saturday, he was on pace to have, I believe, the second most uh, receiving yards in the history of the NFL for a running back and the fourth most catches in the history of the NFL for a running back. That was what he was on pace for, and he's a rookie. So, so the, so the bus comments are coming because he's not getting a hundred yards up because he's gun. not scoring your fantasy points, right. right? I mean, that's that's the that's the reason. But are why. those fair expectations from a running back picked at the over the eight number overall position? Uh, I think they're they're not unfair, but I think for you to I think there's a there's a middle ground between bust and 
fair that he maybe has not produced like a top 10 running back. But I think that you could, to say that he's been unsuccessful thus far this season is not true. To say that he has been, has he been disappointing relative to Leonard Fournette, who keeps waving on guys to hit him and running for 90-yard touchdowns, or <laughs> or uh, or Kareem Hunt, who looks like he might be LaDainian Tomlinson wearing a different uniform. like right. these, and a third-round pick. Exactly. So it's like when you want to compare him to those guys, that's that's the kind of thing that I can understand. But for you to just tell for you to come at me and say that Christian McCaffrey is unsuccessful, that is untrue. Well, I think that one of the biggest knocks I hear is that he's just been easy to bring down. I don't think that's true. I just don't think that's true. I think you look at him. I I feel like that's one of those things where you just think to yourself, well, he's easy to bring down, and then you look at him on that. Uh, the one that comes to mind is the it was a along the sideline in the Pats game. I think it was like second and nine he catches the ball and he runs right at a cornerback and he runs runs him over and falls forward for a first down now that is not necessarily being easy to take down that is he got four yards after contact now he hasn't broken a big play yet that's that's kind of the thing it's like a slump buster right if you look at somebody in the in the majors that you're like oh they're two for their last 10 and then they hit a home run well then they're three for 11 with a home run it's not if he if McCaffrey busts a 90-yard touchdown run on on the first play of the game next week, will that have make him not a bust? Will that make him uh good for that number 8 investment? Maybe. Like and it's it's all perception is reality. And so for me, I think that I perceive Christian McCaffrey as a successful part of an offense that scored 60 points in the last 2 weeks. Right. So is he the focal point of that offense? No, but he's not. He doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense. He's also not the. He's also not the number one running back in this offense. That's what. That's the other thing that we need to think about is that Jonathan Stewart is the bell cow of this offense. He's the number one running back. So Chris McCaffrey's not going to have thirty touches like Leonard Fournette. So this really isn't a, a, a hot take, but how concerned should Panther fans be about the lack of running game this past Sunday? I think there's reason to be concerned. Yeah? Why? Yeah. I mean, anytime that you average less than two yards per carry, there's reason to be concerned. I mean, uh, was that the Lions focusing on just shutting down the run? Because didn't they have the quote earlier in the week that Cam couldn't beat him with his arm, right? Yeah, and he did. Oops. Uh, yeah. But Oopsies. It may have been a poor decision <laughs> by the old Jim Bum Cooter. I know he did not. <laughs> make that decision because he's offensive coordinator but I just wanted to get the phrase Jim Bob Cooter out of my mouth couldn't help myself uh, I'm gonna I, leave that one alone no I think you should there were a few jokes there yeah no leave them all alone <laughs> uh, I think that yeah it, it's it's worrisome to say the least but at the same time Stewart averaged uh, almost I believe it was 4.8 yards per carry against the Pats I could be wrong though but it was definitely between 4 and 5 and it may have even been over five uh he was he was uh he was terrific against the pats and so yeah they had a poor game on the running from a running perspective but i do think that they that was the focus of the lions but i think that there is room for concern i think that's one of the things like if the panthers come out this week against the eagles and they can't run the ball and they commit 11 penalties that's when it's a that's when it's a uh it's a it's a thing that's happening constantly that's the best vocabulary that I've got is a thing <laughs> that's happening constantly, not a trend, 
which was the word that I was trying to get out of my face. But it's just, you know what it is? It's a thing that's happening constantly. You got Jim Bob Cooter out with no problem. <laughs> no, and I can't even say the jokes that I want to about <laughs> Jim Bob Cooter and getting it out when I want to. Uh, all right. Here's a, here's a take for you. Bench, Whirly, start, Seymour. Are you, are you booing the take or are you booing Whirly? Because the boos sound sound about the same. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's actually a great point. Uh, I am 4.85 yards for Jonathan Stewart against the Pats. Right. 4.85 yards per carry. Uh, I'm so excited that I got that one out. Um, I'm booing the take. Here's the thing. I think Kevon Seymour is a good cornerback. I think he's a good young quarterback. Cornerback. Maybe he's a good young quarterback, too. I don't know. Uh, but he is a good young cornerback. I also think that Daryl Worley is a good young cornerback. I think that Daryl Worley has been in this system for a year and also was coming off a game where he hurt his shoulder and then also hurt his ankle later in the game. So for you to look at that first drive where Worley had the pass interference penalties... And overall, didn't look great. And then Seymour comes in, and they they weren't throwing at him, right? So it's it's kind of the the devil you see is better than the devil you don't. Is so that, is that a saying? I just made it up. Oh, so okay. it's it's the something you see is better than the something you don't. A yeah. bird in the hand is better than than uh, the other Kev, birds. Kevon Seymour coming off the bench. <laughs> uh, when you have a guy like James Bradbury coming off, uh, or that's on the other side. The team is always the opposing team is always going to focus on that other corner. So they're always going to when you have Richard Sherman on one side, when you have Namdi Asimo on some one side, when you have Rivas Island on one side, they want to throw to the other side. And it's hard when you're getting that many volume of targets to to make that kind of impact. Unless you have two top tier, top ten corners one is always going to look worse than the other. And I think that when you're comparing Worley and Bradbury, Bradbury is a has been an elite shutdown corner so far this season, in my mind. That's a bold statement. I just made it. So <laughs> there it is. Uh, I think that he has, been, he has been excellent thus far this season. And when you look against Daryl Worley, I think that Worley has not been as good as Bradbury, and I think that he has made mistakes. But... I don't know that Kevon Seymour is going to come in and be a cure-all and be that much better. Yeah, well, I think the, uh, the two, obviously, that stand out were the pass interference calls, the one in the end zone, and the sure. one, what, on the five. It's pass uh, interference. Yeah. Happens. No, it wasn't on the, was it on the five? No, it was, I think it was like 12. Whatever. Yes, it was pass interference. Both of those things were pass interference. It happened. <laughs> uh, but you know what? I, I don't remember. Kevon Seymour was on the field while Tom Brady was scoring all those points, right? Yeah. Yeah, and... So Daryl Worley was on the field when Matthew Stafford was scoring all those points. Sometimes other teams score points, and sometimes other teams complete passes. And yes, I think that Daryl Worley does play a little bit of a soft coverage when he has man-to-man. But that could also be the defensive call. I I just don't... I I find it hard to hang the hat on Daryl Worley and say, this guy stinks, get him off the field. So you're not ready to bench him yet? No, no. Okay. I... Take the word yet out of that sentence either. I'm no. not ready to bench him. So, according, in your opinion, he's got the season. He's he's the man. He's the number two guy for the season. I think if you're look, I think if you, barring an injury, 
or barring something crazy happening, if his no, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, I, I think that he's got the season, and especially if you look at it just from a coach perspective, uh, Ron Rivera has always been has always wanted to go with a veteran versus come, bring in a guy off the street that is not going to be ready to go. You know, I just don't think that 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 Ron Rivera is going to say. I mean, there's a reason Colin Jones was starting at free safety, right? Is because Ron Rivera likes the devil that he sees versus the <laughs> devil that he. What was the saying? Yeah. It is what it is, and it's not the devil being not the devil. Now that's definitely that one. That one's. We're getting further away from it, I feel like. Uh, shame on me for not checking it out because I know it is available on the riotreport.com. Oh. See what I did? I think you want to say the riotreport.com. The riotreport.com. Riot riot uh, how, how many uh, defensive snap count or snaps did uh, Worley have versus Seymour in this game? Do you know? Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would be glad to check on the riotreport.com. But I, I believe that he. Uh, Seymour had about a third of the snaps, but okay. that was all due to injury, right? So I think when after that first series, when Seymour was out, everybody was like, oh, they're benching Worley. It's happening. No, if Worley had a – he had a hurt, so he was coming in with a bum shoulder. He'd only had one practice that week. Maybe he aggravated it. And then on that third series, uh, Seymour was back on the bench and Daryl Worley was back out there. So it's um, – it's, you can't be – 100% that they were ready to bench Worley. I just don't think that's the case. Right. I think that um, I, I think that Daryl Worley is the starting cornerback, and barring something crazy, I just yeah. So Kevon Seymour got 15 snaps. That's a quarter of the snaps. Okay. So you can bet that he probably got, I, I would assume, seven of them on one of those series, of those, yeah. and then Worley hurt his ankle. And probably got another series yeah so there you go all right well we'll see number 26 again and uh hopefully not be talking about him next week two six <laughs> i actually really just to be clear i really like kevon seymour i think he's a he is a uh really good cornerback and a great get by marty herney just to be just to go back to while we're going to clear out all the scapegoats i think that marty herney did a great job to go out and get uh somebody like kevon seymour all right um, so the last take I have for you, and this one's a good one because we talked about it last week, and it's still applicable after this most recent game against oh, the Lions. Oh. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> you like what I did there too? Um, the conservative playing call, the play calling. So this is two weeks in a row the Panthers have given up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter to almost lose the game. Yes, Which, that's true. That's uh, scary. That is scary. I think that um, it would be very exciting if the Panthers would win by 40 every week. But I just don't think that's a. This game felt like they could have won by forty. It did kind of feel like it was getting away from the Lions when they had that fumble. Uh, I feel like if they'd have scored a touchdown right there, that would have been all she wrote. It would have been right. you know fifty-two to ten, and they would have been taking team pictures on the sideline. Um, the good old days. Yeah, but I think that what what basically happened was you gave up fourteen points in the fourth quarter to two out of the top five best fourth quarter quarterbacks in the league, right? Okay. Two out of the top four? That feels maybe? like an excuse. Oh, no. It's a little bit of an excuse. There's not – it's not okay. You can't give up 14 points in the fourth quarter and expect to lose. I said it 15, 20 minutes ago that it's – it's you're going to eventually lose one of these games. So you have to – 
you have to you have to eliminate all these self-inflicted wounds and self-inflicted wounds include playing too far back they include you know playing not to lose like that now the reality of it is you do have to give these guys a little bit of credit because it's not all the Panthers playing bad sometimes Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback and he is able to lead them for touchdowns now maybe it's something that they need to not maybe it is something they need to look at and something they need to get better at but I don't think that you can say conservative play calling was the problem do you think it's defensive conservative play calling or offensive conservative play calling I think it's a combination of both I I feel like they threw the ball so it's it's there was uh after that first um touchdown that made it 27 17 they uh the Panthers got the ball back and they threw it on first and second down and Curtis Samuel dropped the ball on first down and it's like I don't think that you can't hang a drop from Curtis Samuel on Ron Rivera, Mike Shula. That's not, I mean, what else are they going to do? And then they, I'm, I apologize. They threw that hat. They had that play. And then I think they ran it on second down to get the clock moving again, because at the same time, you don't want to be too conservative, but you also don't want to be stupid and have a possession where you give up, where it takes you 12 seconds right. to give the ball right back. Right. Um, well, I appreciate you having your finger on the mute button as I've been coughing throughout this, this yeah, podcast. Absolutely. Um, so how come this week, why did Rod Rivera decide to kick a 57-yard field goal uh, when the Panthers were up 17 when he didn't do that when they were losing to the Saints and you know he cited changing the momentum? Now, does that not give them, them being the Lions, does not, that not give them momentum after that Graham Gano miss? I'm going to give you... This isn't a take. This is just no, a, I'm, I'm, this no, is a question I'm for me you, as I'm remembering no, no, no. the game up in the stands. I'm going to give you the best answer that I possibly can to a question like that. Okay. It is what it is. I feel like you should have kicked the intro song right there. That should have been just the end of we the should have, It should Maybe be over we right now. No outro. See, you, just been like, see you guys next week. No, we got to set it up better than that. <laughs> no, I, I, I would love to say that I have an answer for you, but I really don't. That It, it, it does seem like Ron Rivera went against exactly what he said in the right. Saints game. Or more likely at that point the answer was not correct in the saints game that's what it that's what it seems like to me is that he was saying that he didn't want to give up momentum but that was actually not really the answer the answer was that he didn't trust gano to make that field goal yeah if i'm up 17 i, I want to put him inside their five at that point although i'm not i'm not lurk i'm not looking for points like i was in the saints game just throwing this out there it was indoors yeah. oh look who may have made a good point no, nope. yeah. all right. No, that, it's not a good point. That kick it's, was that kick was very bad. No, it was it was eminently. Is it safe no, to wait. say so? So based on those two situations, one where you don't trust him to kick a fifty-five yarder against the Saints, and I believe that had something to do with it, right? Sure. Um, and then missing a fifty-seven yarder indoors against the Lions, is it safe to say that we can't trust Graham Gano from fifty plus at this point? I, I guess so. I mean, if that's you want to say take. that, that's oh, my that's, hot take. I would say that's like a. That's medium, probably that's probably out there though. That's a medium take, I think. I, okay. I think that, but it's a it's a take just the same. Personally, um, I think that they have him on the team, and so they trust him to kick it when they they need him to make the field goal. And you know, it, the reality is is that you look at him; he's twelve for thirteen. So it's not like. 
he has been, and he has made over a 50 yarder. It's not. Which one was that? I don't remember, but okay. I feel like he I'll take did. your word for it. I feel like he did. I, that that is gonna. Mm. I feel like the comments are gonna be blown yeah. up. Don't put that one in the in the rates and reviews. <laughs> Josh doesn't know the field goal yardage. I probably I I feel, facts facts. <laughs> I feel like he, I feel like he did, but maybe he didn't. Uh, so he's twelve for thirteen. He hasn't missed an extra point. He's also put almost every single kickoff out of the back of the end zone. He's done. Everything that you can ask of a field goal kicker, except for make that one field goal. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm not ready to go ahead and and cut Graham Gano, but I think there are some there are definitely some takes out there that wish that we had kept Harrison Bucker, right? I mean, nah, see, he, I'm, not, I'm not even going that direction. Mine was just the simple fifty plus. Uh oh. But is there a good Harrison Bucker nickname that you can be like? Because when you when you don't like Graham Gano, then you can be like Graham Gano, <laughs> but when you don't like Harrison Bucker, you're just like, ah, stupid Bucker. <laughs> oh, I, wait, I figured out what it is. Rhymes with Bucker. And it starts with an F. Oh, I was going to uh, go sucker because I'm more PG-13. Oh, yeah, because you have two kids and I'm and I am a... Degenerate? Yeah. <laughs> um, was that, was that, that not was the word we were looking for? mean for no reason. Yeah, so Bucker was four for four this past weekend, right? Yeah, and he kicked a game winner uh, the week before. Hot takes, Bucker! Yeah, right, so... On to the Eagles. It's Tuesday evening, late afternoon right now, and uh, we have a day and a half before Crazy. we're, before we're doing this again, basically. Less it's, less than 48 hours. I think that uh, it's interesting with the Eagles game. The Panthers really caught a break with Lane Johnson not being there. Yeah. Uh, he makes a huge difference on that offense. No way he's line. playing, right? I just can't imagine a scenario if where he's he in plays. the protocol and it's Tuesday. They caught such a break being on this long on the short week. He just can't. He cannot possibly be ready. For and I play. saw I saw an interesting stat that you tweeted out. If you could share about the the Eagles record with and without Johnson. Oh, do you mean the thing that I tweeted out from our Riot Report? That's at our Riot Report. That's the Riot Report on Twitter. I would encourage you to get it in your follows. That's not how you say it, right? You don't say get it in your follows. Uh, Eagles with Lane Johnson in the lineup since 2016. Nine and two Eagles without Lane Johnson in the lineup, two and eleven, and he will not be in the lineup on Thursday. Okay, so that's a big difference. That it is. That's good math. <laughs> that's good math, and right there. So that's uh, exciting. Also, uh, it sounds pretty definite too that Fletcher Cox is going to be out, even though he was a participant today in practice. Inside sources say that he will not be playing here. That's uh, on that's also a big deal. I mean, he he's definitely the backbone of that defense, right? I agree. I think that the Panthers kind of maybe catching the Eagles at the right time. And when I say that, I mean coming off a huge win where Carson Wentz looked like the best quarterback in the league. Right. Uh, but I think that when you can uh, – Lane Johnson makes such a big difference because he would have been matched up with Julius Peppers and Charles Johnson. And if you want to tell me that Julius Peppers is going to go up against a second-year tackle that got absolutely eaten <laughs> for breakfast – uh, whose last name is Vitae. Uh, he, I think I'll take Julius on yeah, that Yeah, I'll take Julius all day on that one. I'll even take a 80% Charles Johnson. Well, so. so from what I've seen, it sounds like the, the Eagles have a pretty stout run defense, right? I mean, that's, that's with Cox in there. Uh, they're a little suspect in the secondary, but not having Cox in there to rush the passer, I mean, that has to feel like a, a, a pretty big win for Cam and the O-line. I think that the, I, I just think that the, the defense. Both of these teams are very good. Right. So of when you so anytime that the 
anything that the Panthers can get as an advantage, I think that they are going to have to take huge advantage of. This is the dumbest analysis in the world. Oh, when they get an advantage, they got to take advantage of it. When they get the holes, they got to run through them and score the points. But it's it's true. Like when you catch an advantage, like Lane Johnson not being there, when you have Fletcher Cox not there, it's a uh, it is a big deal. And I do think that the Panthers can win this game if they do not make mistakes. If they they don't even need to play up to Cam doesn't need to throw to complete eighty percent of his passes for three hundred fifty yards and three touchdowns. It'll help if he does. But I think that if you take away eleven penalties, if you don't turn the ball over, if you play the kind of defense that we know that the Panthers can play. I think that that this is a very winnable game. It, just like almost every game this season is a very winnable game. Right. So I'll leave this one with you. I was talking to one of my Eagles uh, friends on the way over here, and he said to me that this game's not going to be as exciting as it is on paper because although both teams are good, they're not as good as their records are, and they're not as good compared to the other teams in the NFC. Uh, can what? you see me rolling my eyes <laughs> so hard over the internet? I couldn't figure that one out. Who's uh, better? Who's uh, better? Come on. These are good that, teams, man. That is the kind of ridiculousness I couldn't that figure that one out. I, I don't so want to try to even explain that take. I'll, actually, I can't explain it. E-A-G! Yeah. Eagles uh, fans. Man, I'm, I'm all set, I'm man. I'm so surprised you didn't break into a huge cough during the middle of that yell yeah uh and no it's just these are good teams it's also thursday night and both of them are coming off pretty pretty rough games i'm happy to be at home yeah me too i think it's gonna make a big difference i think that that does uh although i'm looking forward to and i say that sarcastically the 35 40 percent of our stadium seats being filled with midnight green as they call it do you think it's going to be that many it's historically been that many in 2015 it was that many um in 15 it was that many yes still still second to the packers in 15 which it's as close as i've ever seen to 50 50 was that game it was it was terrible you know the skins have probably been up there too but i i would be surprised if the eagles aren't 30 percent so there is a big traveling group similar to the Roaring Riot, definitely not as cool because they're Eagles fans, uh, who come down to Carolina every year. They make a, you know, they, they take over the epicenter. They're still doing that. Um, and, they can and, have it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can have that. Um, and they take over the stadium. But I, I actually saw today that they still have some of their packages available. So it looked like it was like a last-minute ditch to say, hey, come to Carolina. So maybe it being on a Thursday – uh, a trip that they've done a lot recently in the past couple of years, so maybe it's less appealing, and it'll only be twenty five percent of their fans here. Do they call it the Queen City Takeover? No, they oh, didn't. Oh, come on! I that told you they weren't like as cool br- as yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. That seems like branding opportunities right there. Hashtag yeah. Queen City Takeover. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag nah, it's do the you Eagle. Takeover. What is it? What are what are they called? The Bleeding Green Nation. Yeah, sound something like that. Yeah, we they get no love on it. Is what it is because no. they're not what they're not. No. Oh. Or, I Did I do that right? I didn't have the music ready. <laughs> that was the time. That was the time. All right, you guys, y'all, as we say in the South. You guys, stick around for uh, an interview right after this music ends with Safety Desmond Southward. Uh, thank you guys for checking out It Is What It Is for another week. We will be back early next week. Uh, we're going to be dropping this on Monday morning. Yeah, maybe earlier. We'll see. It's going to be right after the game. So uh, enjoy yourself. We are glad to have you with us. You forgot to take that one off, dude. No, 
No, I sure didn't. Check it out now. Uh. <laughs> that was a good. Uh. Go Panthers. Week this week. How's the body holding up? I mean, is it is it tough to kind of make that adjustment since this is the day off usually? I think it's different for every player. Uh, I think depending on what load you take during the game and sure. during a normal week. Uh, for for me, it's not too bad of a turnaround, honestly. Uh, I haven't played very much in the game, so it's literally like you're just getting ready for the next one. But for other guys who took you know, 45, 60 snaps, something like that, you know, it might be a little bit different. And you know what? Sometimes one play could change how different it is. You could take a bad hit on one play and literally be dinged up and it's hard to recover in two or three days for the next game. So I think it all depends on what happened to you in that game, and depending on how, how tough this turnaround is. Now, when it comes to like film study and that, it's the same for everybody. It's tough, it's a crash course. And you're trying to do as much as you can in a short amount of time, basically. Is that, so Coach said something about with technology and stuff, it's so different that you can take the videos home with you and stuff, and they were watching tape on the plane. Is that something that you guys were doing as players, too? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you watch the, the game that just happened on the plane. You watch, you know, your future opponents on the plane. Kind of try to get a head start. And everyone's different on that. Some guys like to watch a lot of film by themselves. Other guys, not so much. Uh, some guys it helps. Some guys, some guys it, it truly doesn't. So I think to each his own. Whatever, whatever helps you most as a player. I think you honestly have to get into your routine and do that and, and rely on that when game day comes. What about you? Do you like to watch watch film by yourself? Yeah, I watch. See, I prefer in a group. And once I've had the group setting, it makes it easier for me to watch it on my own because I know what I'm looking for. You know. I have calls to look for and, and with the things that I'm watching, you know. So I'm not a guy who just sits there and just watches it without a purpose. You know? I'm not saying other guys do, but once I meet in the group setting, I know what I'm looking for. I go watch film, you know, for a set amount of time, and, and I feel like I get better. When you're watching, like, so you're watching tape on the Eagles, mm -hmm. are you paying attention to what their opponent's safeties are doing? Or are you watching that? Like, to kind of walk uh, me through. I'm, a, I'm more so, so you more so want to watch teams that resemble the type of defense that you play. So for us, we want to, you know, see the 4-3 attacking style of play. Um, you don't want to watch them play against a 3-4 team. That's not what we do, you know. So the runs that they attack you will be different. Some of the passes will be different. So you just kind of want to try and find teams that similar schemes of yours and how they attack them because that's probably what they're going to do to you. You also look at what you struggled with in the past couple weeks because, you know, as a copycat league, everyone goes and looks at what you struggle with and then they're going to try, even if it's not in their offense, they're going to try to throw it in there and hope that you still struggle with it. What do you think you guys have been struggling with the past couple of weeks? Uh, I don't think we've necessarily struggled with anything. I think that there have been quick hitters here and there that get us. But overall, it's not like no one's like running the ball on us crazily. You know, No one's just throwing the ball all over us. So I think we just kind of have to keep it that way in, in order to you know, basically make it tougher on them. You know what I mean? And, and and I think that makes it easier on us, honestly. When you go when when going in the fourth quarter, does it feel like the coaches are saying, you know, keep everybody in front of you, especially with the lead the past couple of weeks, it's been gone in the fourth quarter with a 17 point lead, 14 point lead. Mm -hmm. Is the is it something the coaches are saying, kind of keep everybody in front of you or Well, that's how we play in general. I think it's uh, kind of human nature 
when you're up to be a little bit more conservative, right? No matter if you say it or you or, or not. Um, so I mean, I, I can't speak for offense or, or anything, but as a defense, absolutely. You know, the last you you don't want to give up anything ever. But the last thing you want to give up is a is a big time bomb, you know, to get that the momentum going back in their favor. So if they get anything, they should have to work really hard for it. And I think that's something we pride ourselves on. What are you seeing from Carson Wentz? I mean, young I think, up and coming. I think man, I love his game. I think I think he's an awesome young player. Uh, seems like he has the game three, four years in advance, you know, uh, West Coast offense, so it's, it's real good for him. He gets real nice, quick reads, but he's a tough guy, you can tell, and he's not sneaky athletic. He's, he's very athletic. He get outside the pocket, run, throw. Uh, I, I like everything about him. I think he's an awesome, awesome young quarterback. What would you think of that Nelson Aguilar uh, juke and fall in the end zone? It's nice that that didn't happen to us. <laughs> Great move, though. I mean, you you got you to watch it and say, wow, but, you know, that's something that you never want to have happen to you. Right. Kind of kind of take that lesson from them and learn from it, basically. Is it like in the NBA where you don't want to get, you don't want to be on the back end of a poster? Right. You don't want to get dunked on. Yeah, right? exactly. But you like, you enjoy watching. Right. Yeah, you enjoy watching other yeah. people get dunked on. Exactly. Not you. Exactly. Awesome.